we belong in the playoffs and running for a championship. Matthews delivers! Bound your chest, Saskatchewan! Robbed by Penny! Dylan knocks him down with the left! Champions again! Shots gets blown! PK3 scores! Oh my goodness! Connor McClellan! Robert Church in This is the Rush Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. This week on the show, we're going to catch up with the rookie. Scored his first goal down in San Diego, Jarrett Smith. The Manitoba Blizzard alumni is going to join me in the show in just a matter of minutes. But we do have to break down the game in San Diego and maybe a little bit about the home opener as well. Saskatchewan 1-1 one one before Christmas time here. Have a bye week this weekend. So yes, there is other games you can watch but they're not going to be as fun as the Saskatchewan Rush games. I'm sorry to tell you that. That's just how it's going to be. Don't forget, the Rush Hour podcast is presented by Original 16, the best beer in the game. Sass Tell Center's finest drink as well. New Year's Eve, December 31st, Panther City Lacrosse Club in town. James Barker band playing after the game. Best party in Saskatchewan, probably best party in Canada. Let's be real. There's nothing like a rush game. Plus, you toss in James Barker band. Sign me up for that. Let's go back to the home opener, though, because that was a game that I don't think too many people expected in a form of Saskatchewan came ready to play Colorado absolutely didn't. You don't just hammer on a team 18 to 6 without some extra motivation. And I think that's what last season's record did for Saskatchewan. The Rush clearly were out to prove something. And for Colorado, call it a, you know, championship hangover. Blame it on missing Ryan Lee. Use whatever excuse you want in the book. One team was better than the other. And if Saskatchewan, if that's the type of Saskatchewan team we're going to see all season long, I think we're in for, for a pretty fun year here. So you get some incredible outings. Mark Matthews, a 10-point night. Not 12 points, I guess, as originally reported. They went and changed it. Robert Church has a big night. Marty Dinsdale as well. Alex Bouquet, phenomenal between the pipes. 870 save percentage. And then week two, it's a short week. And down in San Diego, the tide kind of turned a little bit. Three great quarters, you got to play 60 minutes. And unfortunately, you find out the hard way, but that's all part of the game. You're not going to take on the odds-on favorite to win the NLL, and you can't beat them with a 45-minute effort. They're too good, they're too fast, they're too offensively skilled. And the big stat, if you want to dive into it, that sticks out for me, is Curtis Dixon having 16 shots on goal. You heard that right. 16 shots on goal for Curtis Dixon. That just can't happen. He had four goals in the game, including the overtime winner, but you can't give one of the best offensive players in the world 16 shots on goal. I'll harp on that day and night till the cows come home, but that's just the one number that really stuck out to me. Saskatchewan only getting 41 shots on net, not numbers we're used to seeing. You put up 12 on San Diego, you think all is fine and dandy, but end of the day... You had to come back late just to force overtime, and overtime means nothing in the NLL. You don't get a loser point. This isn't the NHL. Overtime loss means nothing. Just another loss, and Saskatchewan, I think this is a big learning lesson. I think that's what Jimmy Quinlan's going to take it as, but there was a few glaring issues that need to be sorted out. Yes, there was a couple of players who did go down with injury. After the interview, I'll have a quick update for you for everything I'm hearing on that front, but the big thing, you got to stay out of the box. You got to stay disciplined. They had three power play goals and they had two goals with delayed penalties. 
So six on five, five on four. That's where San Diego really went to town on Saskatchewan. You get five goals in the man-up fashion. It's going to hurt you. So say what you want about the ref thing. It is what it is. You can't go back. You can't change it. But you have to step up in those times where you need a big save. You need a big defensive stand. And Saskatchewan five on five, they were clearly the better team. For all the stars on the seals as well, and this is probably going to cause some drama. I know this is going to get clipped and sent back. I don't think the stars on San Diego really stole them this game. Sure, Curtis Dixon had the winner, but this win falls on the shoulders of Trey LeClaire and Mac O'Keefe. They were the difference makers. They were the best players throughout 60 minutes. You didn't notice too much of Kevin Crowley. You didn't notice too much of Dane Dolby. You didn't notice too much of Westberg, Casey Jackson. No, it was their youngsters keeping them in this game, scoring the big goals. And then at the end, when you need it, it's your, you know, it's your star players. The guy's getting paid to do what they do. And Curtis Dixon can come through clutch in overtime. So for Saskatchewan, you went toe-to-toe. You went punch for punch with the best team in the league. And clearly, I think if you play a full 60 minutes and stay healthy, there's no reason you can't beat San Diego. It's the NLL. Anything can happen. But the big story, Austin Madronic had his first goal, as did Jarrett Smith. We already had Madronic on after the draft. So if you missed that episode, go listen back. You can get his backstory. Awesome kid. Well-spoken. Great interview there as well. But we have to throw it to Manitoba's finest. Jarrett Smith is on the Rush Hour podcast presented by Original 16. Jarrett Smith now back in transition, and he wants to fire and score. Jarrett Smith goes five-hole, keep it, sign it, put it in the closet. The Manitoba Blizz alumni has his first in the National League. You knew it's going to come up, so you might as well lead off with this. you got to walk us through that first goal in San Diego. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was just a normal breakout. Rubes got the ground ball, passed it up to Dilks. He gave it to me. I was kind of just going to pass it off and get off and I looked and half their team was still jogging off the floor so just kind of walked in and took a freebie shot and it went in you did hesitate for a second there eh because like you stopped on that line and was that because Shiliano had stopped you earlier or what were you thinking there I just I just thought they already had guys on the floor that's where I that's where I stood there and looked and was like wow they're not getting off so took my chance What's that like for you looking back on the goal now? Like, obviously, the game doesn't go how you want it to. But when you could sit back at home and think back and, I mean, holy, I just scored a goal in the National Lacrosse League. Yeah, it it felt good. I can't lie. But uh, I kind of, like, I feel like I can score, so I expect to. So it's not like, wasn't anything out of this world, but it was was great. I can't lie. Humble answer for a guy who is ripping up the junior beast about, uh, let's say, six years ago. But we got to run it back here, Jarrett. How do you first get into lacrosse? How do you first pick up a stick? Um, I was playing hockey, and I was a goalie, actually. Sorry to and, hear. <laughs> yeah, I know. And um, a couple friends played in the summer, and they were just looking for, they are like, we, we need a couple guys. Does anyone want to play? And ended up. Ended up picking up the stick that way. I think that I was around 10 years old, 11. I played a couple of years of box, kind of kind of put it down for a few years, played high school field, didn't play any box again until I was 19, and that's when I joined the Blizz. No way. You joined the Blizz at 19? Yeah, I, uh, so they, they were the Griffins, and then they folded. Another guy bought the franchise, renamed it the Blizz, Terry Williams, and then... That's when 
Kyle Buchanan and Luke Magnan came and coached and I wasn't going to try out. And a couple of my buddies from the high school team were like, you should come try out. And I tried out. And then next thing you know, Buchanan and Luke Magnan are my coach. And then Buchanan's the guy who ended up getting me to the beach. So that kind of, that's kind of how that all worked out. No way. But we got a, you, you played field in high school. Like is field lacrosse big in Manitoba or what? No, not really. It was just a sport at high school. And we had a, re- a really good team. I think eight of those guys off that high school team ended up playing Blizz. Well, a really good team because you're playing against, what, South Brandon Composite? <laughs> hey, you know, I, I didn't have a choice on who we played, all right? <laughs> I got to take one shot at Manitoba here while we're on. But, okay, okay <laughs> were you ripping it up? Like, you, you got to be coming out the O-Gate in junior, weren't you? No, I was a, I was a D guy. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, Minus two for me. Yeah, I, uh, I started as a D guy, and then I think my second year kind of just turned into where I go out the D door, and then I just kind of play lacrosse. I can I can go take O reps. I can go do whatever. That's what I kind of pride myself on is I don't feel like I'm a super positional player. I'm just a lacrosse player, and I do what the team needs. Swiss Army knife right there. So who were you guys playing then? Like who was in your division when you were playing Blizz? Where were you traveling to? We played uh, the SWAT, obviously, in Seth, in Saskatchewan. We played the Junior B Mounties, the Chill. Okay, so you did come um, all the way out to, like, Alberta and stuff. Yeah, we did. Uh, we would do three three trips a year, I'm pretty sure, to Alberta. It would be like an oh, – we'd leave Thursday night on the bus, get there Friday morning, play three or four games, and then drive home Sunday. And then who else was there? There was the Edmonton Warriors. There was uh, – a couple other teams so those are the those are the ones i remember what are those bus trips like i can't imagine busing from winnipeg to edmonton like multiple times a season that's got to be tough it was uh it was a lot but at the same time those are some of the best best times of my life with a lot of the guys i grew up with and uh our our uh bus actually had beds so like half the bus folded up into like these bunk beds so people could actually get decent sleeps and it wasn't bad that's clutch then yeah if you got to sleep here you're set especially if you're 19 20 yeah you know who you can push to the front of the bus <laughs> yeah exactly you know, great times honestly <laughs> well that's awesome there's one kid coming out of winnipeg manitoba i don't know exactly his year i think he's down in the states like playing field jackson kluchuk i think everyone's got to keep an eye on that kid because he's got some serious offensive skill have you seen him yeah, of course I've seen him. I know everybody here. He's oh, he's great. Um, he's he's really good. He's been ripping it up for the Blizz for a while. I'd love to see him try his hand at some junior A, but I know it's tough. He's away at school, and then that'd be that'd be a lot of being away for him. But he's good. The kid can play. Him and uh, him and Caden Onegi are a couple guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's nasty. And, and again, I get it. Why everyone wants the push towards junior A. And this isn't a shot at junior A by any means. But I also think is you know you're kind of a case in in hand here. It doesn't matter where you play; it's how you play. And eventually, you know, if you do want to work your way up, you've got the opportunities to do so in lacrosse. Whether that is moving out west, moving out east, finding other options after junior B. It's not the end of the road. And that's the beauty about it in the prairies with the, the junior only having four teams. I agree. I, I definitely think, like, it's tough because, like, especially from being from here, like, you got to move pretty far away from home to to try and do some of that stuff. And really, junior age just kind of expedites the process. But if 
yeah, you can, it's just like with every sport, if you're good enough, people will find you, but you got to kind of, you got to do the work and meet, meet it in the middle. So what year do you first go out to Nanaimo? What is that? 2017? Yeah, that was 2017 after the beach. What's that transition like? That was, uh, that was different. I definitely joined a rebuilding team. They, I think they were four and 14 at the time. And we came in and they had a big draft class of like, I think it was eight of us, 95s and kind of just flipped the whole team around. And there's a couple, couple of rebuilding years, but we, we built on it. We have a good core group of guys there now. And, uh, yeah, things are looking good over there. I can't lie. So what was the transition like for you then coming from juniors going to senior? Like, was it always something on your mind of, Hey, I want to go play senior a after I'm done. I mean, a lot of this was really new to me. Like I didn't really, I just knew I wanted to try and play as high as I could. And I just kind of had really good people pointing to me in directions, but that was, it was a, it was a transition for sure. I definitely, uh, definitely had a realize I had a lot to learn. And I mean, I still do obviously, but that was, uh, that was a big jump. Cause I only played one year junior A. So I only got a little, little taste of what things can be like. Although going to new England black wolves camp after junior definitely helped too but uh it was a good i mean it helped that it was also a brand new team so i kind of didn't have to we were all new coming into it so it worked out well that way i think so you played it was 2015 and did you play two years with the blizz or just one two 2014 and okay 14 15 16 you went to the beach played toronto beaches oj and then after that you went to new england's camp correct correct through uh because clem Durazio and Glenn Clark were the beaches coaches and also New England coach. So they saw me play all year. Makes sense. Makes sense there. And then you go out to Nanaimo. Uh, I mean, looking stats wise, at least a couple of first years, you're still getting your feet wet. Like, was there any point? And again, this is going to come off sounding harsh, but like, was there any point where you're just like, you know what? Playing senior A is fun, but maybe lacrosse isn't for me. Or were you always driven to be like, I'm going to make the NLL, you know, hell or high water? It's always you, you always face adversities and stuff, and I always I definitely always wanted to play in the NL. That's for sure. But I at the same time I want to play at whatever highest level I could be. And if that was only senior A, I would have I would have been happy with that. I just love playing the game at however high I can play it. And yeah, I think I think that's more or less it with that one. What changed during the COVID break then? Because I know talking to people out west, they said this is a whole new Jarrett Smith that they saw last season in the WLA. Uh, that's a great question. I think COVID, uh, I think COVID put a lot of things into perspective, to be honest. I, I honestly wasn't sure if I, I was ever going to play again, to be honest. Like there was a lot going on. I, uh, I got this job. I was kind of set up well and, uh, kind of just made me realize why, why we play the game and why I wanted to play the game. And I think, um, I was also a couple years older and just, I give a lot of credit to Tawani, to be honest. He kind of instilled a lot of confidence in me. He saw something in myself that I always thought I saw in myself, but kind of needed a little bit of a push, I guess. He kind of just let me do what I like. Let me go out the D gate. Let me take O reps. Let me play offense. And it kind of just gave me a lot more confidence. I think, I think I always knew I could do this. It's just more or less. I needed a little more confidence. Did you feel confident coming into rush camp? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I, I knew they, I knew they brought me there for a reason but at the same time like there's worrying about that stuff does nothing i control what i can control and 
I put in the work and go out and show what I can do. And that's all I can worry about. There's no point in worrying about what other guys might do. And it also helped that there's a absolute great group of guys there. Like you can tell, uh, you can tell what they've been building for a long time. And it really put it in per- perspective in that first weekend when we were, when we got into Sastel and I saw some of the banners and I was like, oh, okay, like what these guys have actually done. And it's pretty cool to think about. And I just, I feel super thankful being with this organization, honestly. Love it. Love the response right there. We got to get a story out of you though. What's your welcome to the league moment? Like at what point do you kind of take a deep breath and say, oh shit, this is the NLL. And it was definitely, uh, it was definitely that weekend in Calgary where we played in front of fans for the first time. I think uh, just the atmosphere and people screaming and music and everything. It was, that was crazy. And uh, I am so glad that we got to have a preseason game in front of in a real atmosphere before because if that was the first game that that could have been uh i'm glad we got that out of the way is all i can say well that's that's an interesting thing you bring up because i guess we don't think of that from a rookie's perspective where that was probably your first time like you'd played in victoria like you'd played in some like cool summer atmospheres but nothing close to the rough house eh no not not at all that was that was really cool yeah, that's an interesting one that you don't really think of, and it probably helped you a lot to at least settle some of the nerves before the home opener then with the big win over Colorado. And, and again, we're two games into the season so far, but how, how would you you know rate your play? How do you think it's gone for you through two games in the regular season? Um, I think it's been good. I mean, it's only been two games, so it's tough to say, but I think, uh, I think the coaching staff and the vets have done a really good job of getting us rookies acclimated to everything we're trying to do and it's helped me a lot and given me confidence in believing that I can I can play here and I think uh I think as long as I just keep progressing keep keep asking questions keep working hard we can we can just keep going from there let's have some fun here what's the Monday to Friday what keeps you busy pretty much just wake up work I work from home so I don't really leave the house too much we're an IT company and we have like groups of companies that we manage so we keep them online basically anytime anything goes wrong we have to respond we uh we build servers and environments for new customers we we're in the middle of uh making like a bitcoin mining operation right now so we've been doing a lot of stuff like that so i've been doing a little bit of not working from home but uh yeah we do a lot of stuff basically anything it we do it well, as long as you're not like Bitcoin mining so, from FTX or whatever that guy was. I did see that. The XRP thing? Yeah. I mean, XRP. I thought it was FTX. Maybe I just threw someone yeah. else under the bus. Crypto is all sorts of messy right now. I I do not trust it at all. Unreal. Unreal. That's, that's, again, hey, I mean, IT, uh, you could talk for hours and I wouldn't understand a single thing, but I do know that the crypto stuff is always funny to me. Okay. What's your go-to game day meal? Game meal. After this weekend, I'd have to say pasta. The little Italy stuff that we did this weekend, holy. But what type of pasta? Like, give me the details. What's the order? Ideally, I like a, I like a nice, just simple spaghetti and meatballs with some vegetables. Are you eating garlic bread with it? Mm, sure. sure. Okay, okay. That, that's, that's a human answer. If you were going to say no, I was going to start questioning you, <laughs> but that's fine. What's the go-to gas station snack? Ooh, I'd say a big sweet tooth guy sometimes. I'd say some... Sour Patch Kids or some Cherry Blasters. Love it, love it. Favorite movie? Favorite movie. Interstellar for sure. Love a thriller. Good thriller, good thriller. What are you watching on TV right now? Um, What am I watching? 
I watch a, I watch a lot of Suits. I watch a lot. Uh, I mean, Family Guy, of course. What? Oh, but that's the go-to <laughs> comedy of choice, eh? Yeah, definitely Family Guy. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Hey, New Year's Eve, James Barker band in Saskatoon. Who's your go-to band? Definitely Drake. Drizzy. Okay. Is that is that your whole pregame rundown too? Just Drake back to back. A lot, a lot of Drake. I can't lie about it. <laughs> love it, love it. Hey, Jared, I appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll see you New Year's Eve. I appreciate this, man. Thank you for having me on. Huge thanks to Jarrett for hopping on the pond this week. Always good to catch up and learn a few new things about some of the players. And I did say I'd give an update on Rubish and Dilks by the end of the podcast and a little snooping around. Pretty much it's a no update, but an update is they're going to be reevaluated after Christmas, right? So you've got three weeks off from the San Diego game to the Panther City game at home. Of course, they're not going to jump the gun on anything. We'll see when the official injury report comes out although there was a few doubtful players on the seals who all three magically ended up back in the lineup but don't forget december 31st best party in saskatchewan james barker band's gonna play post game panther city versus the rush panther city's got a team here this isn't gonna be as easy as last season was this is a team who's a year older a year more experienced saskatchewan yeah Time can heal some wounds, but I think that San Diego loss is going to sting a little bit more than people think. And back at home at the Sastel Center, I think we're in for an exciting game. Fireworks definitely expected. I hope to see you there. It's the best party in Canada. New Year's Eve in Saskatoon. For myself, Cody Jansen, you can connect with me on Twitter at Janner on PXP anytime I am there. And don't forget, if you missed a podcast, go back on your favorite podcast catcher. Listen, Learn about the players on the team right now. It's a great group. It's a great bunch. And they're all rowing the boat in the same direction. So until next time, everyone, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll talk to you soon on the Rush Hour Podcast.